Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. The Nets absolutely just dominate the Bucks in the first two games of a series we thought would be a really entertaining so far. It has not been. It's barely lasted. Last night was over in three quarters. Really, it was over in the first quarter. In the first quarter. The way that run went. And Kevin Durant, Jay, Kevin Durant is, is in a place right now that is just, if you're a basketball fan, if you're a sports fan, you got to love watching an athlete in that kind of where he is right now, all things considered. He might not want to talk about where he was two years ago with the Achilles. But the rest of us, of course, remember that because it was such a moment in the finals to see, literally seeing the Achilles snap, seeing him on the court, and then seeing him come back and play at the level he's playing right now. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. I got to tell you, Kevin Durant is not Kevin Durant unless he goes to Golden State. And he has Fair. a feel about what that culture was, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I think you know a lot of people use that argument against him, even though you could make a look. Look in the business decision. Look, you got to make the right business decision for you. I mean, do you want to be like Dame? Because Dame is still stuck in Portland, and Dame hasn't won a championship. And all we talk about is his individual greatness, but we talk about when is Dame going to win a championship? That's a great conversation to have about KD, and a great conversation to have with Sarah Kustak, who's from the Yes Network, Nets analyst. Sarah! Does a great job, wall to wall Nets coverage, yeah. by the way by the Yes Yes Network's Nets team throughout this playoffs. And good morning, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, guys. It's great to be on with you. I want to ask a a very obvious question, but it's it's just the setup for it. As we were just talking about Kevin Durant and how uh, it's been almost two years since that injury. And really for the Nets, they sign him. He doesn't play for a whole year. He misses a ton of time. But I would have to say that at this point, seven games into this playoff run, worth the wait. Oh, it's uh, Alan. It's hard to come up with words anymore to describe his level of play, the efficiency, um, and just the absolute. I mean, we saw it at a peak last night, but this has been consistent. He has a level of ferocity and grace that he brings to the game um, that right now feels unmatched. He can get anywhere he wants to go on the floor. Uh, you could toss any defender at him. And it, it just last night, um, watching his eyes, watching his movements, and watching the way that you could tell, it, he was just loving every minute of it. And I think just the, the joy you saw and the collective nature of the team and how they played top to bottom, uh, it, it was really special. Sarah, as a hooper yourself, somebody who can appreciate the nuances of the game, You've seen a lot of basketball. You're a student of the game. Listen to you on the Yes Network all the time. Where would you rank Kevin Durant among the greats? Ooh, Jay, you're coming with the tough questions yes. this morning. Um, I mean, we're, we're getting that, right into it. Are right we getting right it. into the greatest of all time it. debate? She's a hooper. I listen to her. I'm, trust me. She's great at what she does. She's well, fine. You don't have to tell me. I know. Uh, no, that that's. That's an excellent question, which I'm, I'm not prepared at this point to give you a number. I also win. I, I know we love these discussions about ranking greats. Um, until someone completes their career, I sometimes have a hard time of where you're inserting them um, to see the complete resume of what they've done, what they've accomplished. However, it, it, when it comes, I'm totally going to avoid your question, Jay. I love you. But, uh, <laughs> but, but when it comes to we just he, he is one of one. He's so unique with his size, with his skill set. Um, also, what we've been seeing out of him on the defensive end of the floor, I know there were so many questions of what he was going to look like coming back from injury, and this is just the beginning. So you think about how his game will translate, not just what we're seeing this season, but seasons to come. I, you can't, 
he can get anywhere he wants to go, but he can shoot over everyone. And he pours so much into his game um, in terms of this isn't by accident that he is shooting this type of clip from the field and, and from the three-point line. His passing continues to improve. Um, so, so, I don't know. I, Jay, I can't give you a solid answer. I'll come, but when you guys have me on next, I'll, I'll bust out my list of rankings. I got you. Um, but, but, for, but for me – for me, he's getting up there. He, he's definitely yeah. getting up there, and I think this postseason will add a lot to that if the Nets can can complete their their vision and their goal for what they have this year in, in a couple seasons to come. Sarah, how difficult will it be for the Nets to go steal one in Milwaukee without James Harden in the lineup? Keyshawn, I think that's a great question because for as much of a – uh, dismantling it was last night at Barclays and in a game that I did not I don't know if anyone would have anticipated but I really thought the Bucks were going to come with a, a changed and adjusted level uh, of intensity and aggression given the fact that that first game you get thrown off a little Milwaukee has a full week preparing for a team that includes the big three with James Harden they did not see the big three throughout the course of the regular season especially in that mini series that two game down the stretch of the season so you think okay now they have a day in between to readjust to what the roster and the lineup is going to look like. Uh, did not see that. However, I don't think you can overreact because while it was a 39-point win, um, it just counts for a win. And every player to a man for Brooklyn said we did what we were supposed to do. Uh, we'll see what Milwaukee has. I, I'm, I think it's going to be a huge challenge, Keyshawn, to say, to say the least. Um, James Harden has been so integral to how this team operates. So we saw the the reflection of that in the way the Nets played. Um, but I, I do anticipate and hope for at least to, to continue to watch basketball as we love it and enjoy it. Uh, some adjustments to be made on the part of Milwaukee and, and what you're going to get from Giannis, you know, defending two-time MVP and a, a player in a team that was constructed and put together to try to not flame out in a postseason like they did the last two years. The mental aspect and the mental component is going to be, in my perspective, one of the biggest factors. Uh, because to me, this Brooklyn team last night looked like what they were trying to do uh, was not just strategically crush the, the Milwaukee Bucks. It looked like they were trying to mentally break them. And for one night, they did. Sarah Kustak joining us here on the Goodyear Hotline. Yes, Network Nets analyst as the Nets are up two games to nothing right now in their series with the Bucks that shifts to Milwaukee. And one other player that I really find to be remarkable right now for the Nets, especially what we saw in game two and the first two games of the series is Blake Griffin. And I keep thinking, Sarah, I think of Larry Johnson and how Larry Johnson had to transform his game due to injuries and became more of a post-up player, a below-the-rim player, but a very effective and every now and then he can still remind you of the grandmama. How, how, how is Blake Griffin, the two dunks he had, but knocking down threes? What, is, what are you seeing out of the, the transition of his game from what he was in Lob City with the Clippers to compare to what he's become for the Nets? I mean, Blake is locked in. I mean, if, if you want to talk about the one individual for as many highlight plays that – Kevin and Kyrie had had it feeling like Rucker for a while in Barclays Center. The place erupted when Blake Griffin had a couple of those dunks, and so much of it was predicated on the ball movement. But I think the thing that we may overlook with Blake um, and just how things sat at Detroit and the buyout and everything, uh, two, it was two years ago he was an all-NBA player. Mm -hmm. Has a knee injury. Um, it, it, 
all of you can speak to this is, is being athletes. There's a, a different level of focus, I think, when you are competing for a title as opposed to, you know, maybe what the circumstance was like with the Pistons. Um, and for as much as we've seen a little bit of a high-flying nature out of Blake, the smarts of the game, the maturity, the composure, how he knows. There, there's so much improv- improvisation that comes with this Nets offense and how he knows when to set the screens, how to use spacing, uh, the feel and the instincts, getting on the floor. I mean, I, I've seen Blake hit the ground more than I think any other player diving for loose balls, the hustle plays. And, and even when you go back to when he was playing on one leg and uh, took that Pistons team to, to the first round, got swept by the Bucks in, in that season. Um, he was used to guarding Giannis. That was a part of what he did. And so, you know, the one thing that jumps out as well is how he's been able to help slow down and defend Giannis in this circumstance. And Nets have that one through five switching team. I think a lot of that has, has invited uh, more isolation and maybe a lack of ball movement for Milwaukee and, and help mitigate some of that, that thought of adding that dunker spot and, and players that they're moving along the baseline. But, um, you know, overall, I just, I think the verb from Blake on top of the fact, Alan, that, you know, he, he didn't really have a great, series against Boston and mm-hmm. he attributed Nash attributed it to being kind of a matchup and, and a bad matchup for him. Um, but then I think they're correcting questions of, Oh, maybe make, maybe Blake is, you know, kind of getting towards that tail end and he has come out looking really, really special and followed up a big night in terms of production in game one with just doing all the little things and then having some bangers uh, last night in game two. It's like he had to remind people, right? That's usually what happens with some of those guys. (laughs) The the great ones always tend to do that. Sarah, we appreciate your uh, insight. And I guess next time, just be prepared for, you know, Jay to throw that. that I got my list, Jay. Jay got my list. So we do. We, we power rank everything here on this show. We got lists. Everybody's got a you list. I, rank it. I just said where, I she, where he was stand. I just Sarah's got to get stand. a list next time I, we have you on. Get me in the studio. Next time we'll get in the studio, I'll have a PowerPoint for done, you. Done. Done. <laughs> we'll do. All right, Sarah, you guys thanks are the so best. much. All, All the right, best. Sarah. Sarah Kustak on the Goodyear Hotline. Remember, Sarah and the rest of the Yes Nets team has wall-to-wall Nets coverage throughout the postseason. And by the way, before we get into this conversation, next from Green Bay with Rob Demosky, who we love to talk to, does a great job covering the Packers. I was not weaving in any Knicks topic there. It felt like it. It was Larry Johnson's a perfect example, perfect comparable. I didn't say a Knicks topic. I said you had to just weave in a Nick. That's all. It's Larry Johnson. What other comparable would you make to what Blake Griffin's doing? Going from a, a high-flying player to a more below-the-rim I, I, I didn't say anything player. was wrong with your comparison. Yeah, I just you said it. you had to always, there's a Nick little angle. Difficult to work with. Yeah. Very right. difficult Yeah, go to ahead, work sell with. that some more. That and, worked and, out for a lot of people over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to turn to Rob Demosky now because I really <laughs> enjoy Rob. I love having him on. He's very insightful, and he's not difficult to work with. Rob, good morning. <laughs> I guess those are all okay qualities. Well, they're okay, but they're very important. It's all about character and culture, and it's really about the people, Rob. It's about the people. That's, <laughs> That's what's what most I hear. important around here. <laughs> so That's what I hear. So what we what we know or what we expect is that Aaron Rodgers will not be at mandatory camp starting today, correct? Like, is that confirmed at least? Can we say definitely not coming? Yes. I was told he is in uh, Southern California as we speak. So he's not going to make it. <laughs> on time. I don't think so. I'm sitting outside Lambeau Field right now, and I don't see any uh, uh, fast-flying <laughs> jets flying over uh, to get no. to the airport. Well, so. you can always just pick up camp and say, wherever you are, Aaron, that's where we're going to have camp, just to accommodate <laughs> you. 
Um, Peter King had a really interesting column uh, that we were kicking around earlier. Yeah. Coming up with ways you can broker a deal between the two sides. Can you see something happening along the lines of sitting down and just what do you need, what do you want, and let's just do this even if it's just for one more year? Well, I think they tried that. I mean, uh, we know, as Adam Schefter reported and the Packers have confirmed, that at various points this offseason, guys, uh, Mark Murphy, the team president, general manager Brian Gutekunst, and coach Matt LaFleur all made separate trips to meet with Rodgers throughout the spring to try to hammer something out. And here we are with nothing, uh, you know, uh, palatable to him. So uh, at this point, I'm just not sure what the solution is that would have him playing for the Green Bay Packers, whether it's even just for one more year. Um, I just don't see that there is anything that they can do unless um, they just wait him out and we get to late July, August, and, and he somehow changes his mind because they've, certainly tried all that stuff and and to this point at least as we sit here on june 8th nothing has worked rob uh, the four top returning wide receivers for the green bay packers yeah did not go to otas which otas is whatever as far as i'm concerned right. but they will be at the mandatory mini camp this week with jordan love for the first time yes how would how is that going to help jordan love convince the green bay packers that he's the guy going forward yeah, that's a great question and a great point because to this point, Love has not had a chance to work with those guys, not only this year, but you think about last summer, he was the number three quarterback during the brief training camp that they had, which means you're not throwing to, as you know, not throwing to those guys. You're throwing to the undrafted rookies and, and guys who may or may not even make the team. Uh, we've seen to this point two OTA practices, and I can tell you this, that, that Jordan Love has definitely looked better. The ball's coming out. Um, with more zip on it, but he still favors the the dump off, the check down, whatever you want to call it, to the running backs. In fact, there was one 11-on-11 period last week where there was in a seven-play stretch, he threw it to the running backs six times. Um, and that's, not, that's without obviously facing a live pass rush. So what I'm curious to see starting today is with Devontae Adams and company now here, is he willing and, and able to push the ball down the field a little bit more. Now the Packers will tell you that they like to see Jordan Love going through the progressions and that means he's truly understanding the offense. But I don't think they want to uh, if if he has to play this year, I don't think they want to average, you know, 2 yards per uh air completion uh this this season. That's not what they want to do offensively. Let me ask you this though. If he had to play this okay. year and yeah. it didn't go as well as it went a year ago. Who who ultimately will the Green Bay Packer faithful blame? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's a great question. It's it's probably, you know, the general manager because he's the guy who brought love here. Um, you know, uh, Matt LaFleur and his coaching staff probably were never uh, expected to get him ready to play in, in 2021. You know, I, I will say this. They, they were 13-3 and three last year and made the NFC Championship game. When, when Brett Favre left here in 2008, they were coming off a 13-3 and three NFC Championship game loss season. And Aaron Rodgers' first year as a starter, they went 6-10. and 10. Now, they only won six games, but it was pretty apparent during that season that Rodgers was going to be pretty good. So, um, you know, they may not win a lot of games next year, but it all it, it's all really dependent more on how Love looks. If, if they only win six or seven games and Love plays pretty well, 
you know, it's not a disaster. If they only win six or seven games and love is, is, is mediocre at best, you know, then it's a big problem. Rob, let's say the latter happens. If you're Devontae Adams, how worried about how worried are you yeah. about your numbers not being where you need them to be so you can be negotiated against so you will not get the type of money that you expect to get? Well, that's a great question too, but I think he's proven that he's gonna get those he's gonna get the money whether he has you know, 110 catches this year, he has 65. I mean, if, if if people are smart in the league, you know, if the quarterback's not good enough, doesn't matter who's out there. You can put Jerry Rice out there, and he's not gonna. You could put you could put Key out there, and he's not gonna get uh, you know 1,500 yards. I mean, it's just you know the quarterback is is such a big part of it. We all know how good Devontae Adams is. I don't think anybody thinks it's just a product of you know because he has Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. Does that help? Absolutely. Does he have an incredible rapport? Uh, with him, I mean, look at those back shoulder throws that they, you know, that seemingly are just incredibly timed. I mean, yeah, there's obviously a big part uh, that the quarterback plays in that, but nobody and and Key, you could probably you know speak to this more, but I don't know if there's a receiver in the league who's better getting off the line of scrimmage than Devonte Adams. I haven't seen one. Maybe maybe you have, but I certainly haven't. No, he he uh, does an amazing job of working out, which is ironically. With Keith Williams in the offseason, who is now yes. the passing game coordinator, receiver slash coach of the Baltimore Ravens. So he works with Devontae yep. Adams, Tyreek Hill, and neither one of them can be touched getting off the ball. And, uh, and before that, he worked with pa- uh, former Packer receiver James Jones, yep. Uh, yep. another Northern California guy yep. who like like Devontae. So, yeah, very familiar to, to Packers fans for what, sure. Rob, what are, what, are, what are Packer players saying right now between you and us? What, what are yeah. they saying? Well, to the rest of the world, Rob. Right now they're saying like, hey, you know, we support Aaron. Uh, he deserves this. He deserves that. But, I mean, the reality is that's, that's fine to say that in June. But if it looks like he's not going to be here and, and it's late August and September and they're getting ready to go to the New Orleans Saints week one and, and you don't have your guy here, I mean, I do wonder if at some point players sort of – I don't want to say turn on Aaron, but 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 start to say, man, he's 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 putting us in a bad spot yeah. now. You know, yeah. right now it's easy to support him, but I I wonder, and you guys have been in professional locker rooms in a different role than I have. At some point, do players say, man, you know, now it's start, it's going to hurt us now. It doesn't hurt us in June, but it could hurt us in September. And Rob, you, and you and I both know well that the more you ask that question, the more tired of it they get, right? They don't want to oh, yeah. keep answering no it, and he's leaving us to answer questions for him that we can't answer or don't want to anymore. No doubt. And that starts to wear on people. So Mark Murphy is one guy that, you know, at least we heard from recently, which is from his newsletter yep. on Packers.com. And i just curious if your take about him – Taking a question that never even referenced Aaron Rodgers, yeah. basically telling him he's done a great job and don't let these guys bring you down, and then suggesting a, a new name for the Washington football team, a very innocent thing. And for Mark to use that as a way to discuss Aaron Rodgers saying he's divided our fan base, which you've told us about that already uh, several yeah. times when we've talked, but then him adding that, that you know the committing to be resol- resolving things with Aaron, wanting to be our quarterback, and wants to resolve the situation, you know, that the, the less both sides say publicly, the better. Well, Mark, you're doing this in a public forum. So what kind of message <laughs> do you think he was sending there? Very interesting PR move. Um, at first I thought, well, why in the heck is he 
creating another issue here by saying that he's divided the fans. Um, but, but the more I thought about it, I wondered if it wasn't more just to put pressure on Rogers saying, Hey, look, if you don't realize it now, maybe you should, that not all the fans are, are for you. Mm. Um, and, and I wondered if that was his, his MO. And I think I told you guys when I was on last time that I saw this one sign around town that said, Aaron, go pack. And, and you guys know Packers fans always say go pack as in go, you know, do well. And this is a, a fan in a yard a yard sign saying, Aaron, go pack as it get your bags, and, you know, pack up and get out of town. So I, I just wondered if that was Mark's way of sort of tweaking Rodgers a little bit and saying, hey, man, if, if you care about one thing, it's your legacy here. And your legacy may be, uh, you know, losing some steam here with, with the fan base. For the last time this week until next week, <laughs> will Aaron Rodgers play for the Green Bay Packers this year? I do not think he will ever play for the Packers again, guys. Um, I, I just don't see how he walks this back um, and, and just comes back and say, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm just kidding. Let's go play and, and try to win. I, I just – I don't – I've not seen anything since Adam's initial report came out to suggest that anything has changed. Mm. Rob, great stuff as always. We enjoy talking with you. Thanks so much. All right, Robbie. All right, guys. We'll be seeing you. Uh-huh. You got it. Rob Demosky, ESPN Packers reporter. For there the last time this at- week – Mini camp right now, and no Aaron Rodgers there, so it can be now officially confirmed. I wonder what he's doing. Aaron Rodgers kicking it. Yeah, like at this he, hour, is he at home watching us on TV right now. Could be. Is he watching us on ESPN News? Laughing? Aaron, if you are watching us right now, call. No, in. he's not going to call in. So don't even go there. He's chilling. Like, There's nothing wrong. Just no? relax. No, but what I mean, no, like, he's, he's not. He's not reading Mark Murphy's newsletter. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely. <laughs> but is he like? <laughs> he might not be reading. No, Mark but I mean, Murphy's is he newsletter. like sitting at home at, in California at six thirty and just yeah. sitting there like laughing at, at all, us and yeah. everybody? Is he cooking breakfast? Is he uh, what do you call a driver? Playing golf? No, the one where you yes. hit it. Yes, That's that. your driver, yes. He's driving, the, hitting the driver and out on the tee box. At the driving range? Yeah, the driving range. Yes. That's it. At the driving range. Is he at the driving range right now? I just love hearing you. Can we do a whole segment you talking about golf? Golf. Just please. Golf the driver. key. Just your reaction. Are you, are you, more, I think of a, better are you more of a 50 degree, um, uh, a 60 degree? Like what's your... Angle? What's your, what's your wedge? The wedge? Like? Yeah. I'd do a nine iron, right? Yeah. that's <laughs> Yes. Big loft issue. Big loft issue. But I'm issue serious, though. What, I wonder what he's doing. Because yeah, well, when I've know. set out before as a rookie. You pay attention and laugh? Yeah. I, I was reading everything? I, it's so crazy. I was in Hawaii my rookie year sitting out. Coincidentally. <laughs> yeah. You were in Hawaii your rookie year sitting out. Yeah. Right mm. before I signed my rookie contract, I just was chilling in Hawaii on vacation. Sure, why not? While everybody was in training camp. I love that you're your rookie year. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. like year Has five. Made his money no, I'm going to Hawaii. Oh man! So off this conversation and on to more of nothing but nets in game two. That's next. KJZ on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Kevin Durant up to 30 points in game number two as the Bucks been bewildered to start this series in Brooklyn. The biggest playoff win in Nets franchise history. More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. 
Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Four second differential on the shot clock and now with five to shoot. Kevin against Giannis at the top. Showing the handles with a right hand cross. Drives the lane into traffic. Flips it up and in as he goes across the end line. 32 for KD. Final seconds of the third. Middleton's contested three. No good. And the Brooklyn Nets will take a 30-point lead over Milwaukee to the fourth quarter. And they will take that to a 39-point win over the Bucks. The call by Mark Kestisher on ESPN as the Nets beat the Bucks 125-86 in game two to take a 2-0 lead in their second-round series. KD continuing his stellar postseason. Scored 32 points. That's what he's averaging right now in the postseason. 32 points per game, fourth most in the last 40 seasons in a player's first seven playoff games with a franchise. Durant and Kyrie Irving combined to score or assists on 80 of the 125 points scored by Brooklyn. To the other New York team, the New York Knicks head coach Tom Thibodeau named NBA's Coach of the Year. It was the second time in his career. It's been a decade apart. First time around was with the Chicago Bulls. So he's the third Knicks coach to win Coach of the Year, the first since Pat Riley. In 1993, Red Holzman also won it in 1970. Thibodeau joins Greg Popovich, Mike Budenholzer as the only active coaches to win Coach of the Year twice. That includes current assistant coach Mike D'Antoni, who's also won it twice. Former Giants head coach Jim Fossil has passed away at the age of 71. His son, John, confirmed that to the Los Angeles Times on Monday. He was head coach of the Giants from 1997 to 2003, guided the team to three playoff berths. That includes a trip to the Super Bowl. He was named the NFL's Coach of the Year in 1997, 58-53-1 overall with the Giants, one of two head coaches for the Giants with a winning record in the last 30 years. The other, Tom Coughlin, 102-90. SportsCenter brought to you by Goodyear. Goodyear knows from here on out, every game is a chance to create momentum, to make the right pass, the right move, to hit the perfect shot. It takes momentum to get through the playoffs. It takes everything to capture a title. Goodyear, more driven. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they signed with Brooklyn for moments like this. A day at a time, a second at a time, see what happens. Gotta keep being nice. I hope going to be okay. Griffin has found the, found the youth. Don't take anything for granted. This is just a clinic every way possible. we got a long way to go. Amazing team on the other side. They're going to come with it. The Nets absolutely dominant in their first two games against the Bucks. A series, guys, that we thought 
would be maybe the most entertaining, the best, most competitive series. Wah, and so wah, far, wah. Jake missed the that. mark. Missed the mark by a little bit. Key, I mean, you yo, nobody thought they would beat them by close oh. to 50 last night. No, Not this, at all. This was an absolute, like, I mean, just Damn. dominant performance by the Nets. Continuing to knock down the three ball. 21, a franchise record in the playoffs. 21 threes made. And really just an incredible spectacle. And again, the great story, Kevin Durant and what he looks like two years removed from when he he injured his Achilles. Alan, can we, before you get to our next guest, can I say it again? Nobody thought they would win by close to 50. Like, like we're saying that they about up, they were up Eastern by Conference semifinals. semifinals. Yeah, it, it really is just, again, when you think about how fast that game felt like it was over. Yeah, it got just out of the way after quick. it tipped off. There's no doubt about it. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Ryan Rucco joins us right now on the Goodyear Hotline. From the S Network, of course, also from ESPN as well. Rooks, good morning. So, I mean, watching last night, not only that first quarter, but just how that game went and how fast it got away into a blowout. I mean, you, no one expected. You expect the Nets to do what they're doing because they still, even without James Harden, have two great scores. But you couldn't possibly expect the Bucks to lay an egg for a second straight game. Yeah, man. I mean, that was that was stunning. That that performance was stunning. And and I even think from a Nets perspective, even though they still have obviously Kyrie and KD, and it's pretty good when you lose one Hall of Famer to still have two on the floor, really three potentially with Griffin, right? But it, it, I still think it's surprising because if you watch the Nets during the regular season, the player who influenced wins and losses most by far and away was James Harden. So when Harden went down, for everyone who's watched this team day in, day out, it was, oof, you know, that that's a huge blow, not just because it's James Harden, but because he was the piece that seemingly made everyone better. And all you had to look at was the record with or without him. You know, they were able to go 19-4 and four over the 23 games in a row that KD missed because mainly of the way James Harden was playing. But when the Nets move the ball and when they play with defensive intensity – they're, they're just ridiculous, and that's what we saw last night. I mean, completely unselfish. But think about Kyrie Irving. Think about the way he can manipulate the basketball, the way he can break people down. And last night, I mean, other than the first quarter when he was, you know, getting his, the ball was in his hands for a, a second at a time. He was just moving it like a hot potato. When he's doing that and everybody's playing that unselfishly, they're really hard to beat. And, and you know, Milwaukee is going to, I'm sure, be much more confident on their home floor. But it was surprising to see just how poorly they played after how well they played against Miami. And just remember, you know, before we got into the bubble, you know, Milwaukee did have one of the best home court advantages there was in basketball. Right. So we'll see how that plays out. But I, I wanted to say these numbers to you, Ryan, and get you to react to them. I'm not asking you to rank them. Just asking you to put this into context from what we've seen about where he stands in the game of basketball. Kevin Durant, 55% from the field. 50% from the three-point line, 90% from the free-throw line. 55, 50, 90, averaging 32 points per game. Where, where do you put him in context of the, the greats? I mean, he's just a completely unique asset, right? I mean, he's, he's his own entity. And I think we had Joe Harris on mine and CC's podcast, R2C2, uh, a few weeks ago. And he said, you know, they don't even let you make players like KD in 2K anymore. <laughs> and that, I think, is maybe the best context for how ridiculous he is. I mean, you guys see it. There were times last night, and I thought Grant Hill pointed out nicely, where, you know, whoever was matched up on KD on a given possession, the one I'm thinking of, it happened to be Drew Holiday, did everything he could do defensively. 
But it doesn't matter when you're seven feet, you can raise up and shoot with the kind of efficiency that Kevin Durant can. And the other thing I think, too, guys, and I think we've seen this manifest in different ways throughout the playoffs is, and, and Jay, you know this, the playoffs are a completely different sport than regular season basketball. And especially now that we have crowds there again. Mm -hmm. And there are some guys who thrive off it, and there are some guys who aren't used to it and don't know how to handle it. And Kevin Durant thrives off of it, and that's what we've seen in the playoffs thus far. Ryan, how well has Blake Griffin settled into his new role since coming over from Detroit? Uh, incredibly well, Keyshawn. I mean, he, he's, been, he's been fantastic. First of all, you know, what he's been given the Nets from three in this series is fantastic, and it puts Milwaukee in a real bind right now with Brooke Lopez on the floor. But Blake, I think more than anything else, what he brought to the Nets was some of the nitty-gritty physicality that they were lacking. And we've seen that manifest in the charges that he's taken. You know, Blake led the league in charges taken, but the Nets actually led the league in charges taken from the time Blake joined them through the rest of the season, whereas they had been 23rd in the NBA before he got there. And I think, you know, when you see an established vet who has had some physical issues willing to put his body on the line the way that Blake Griffin is, mm. I think that makes an impact. Not to mention, as we've seen, the man can still dunk too. Yeah. So I, I, he's brought he's brought a little bit of everything, and he just fit in perfectly with this Nets I team. I just wanted to remind everybody, too, don't forget, I could still do this, and you got a couple down in this game. <laughs> Ryan Rucco joining us right now on the Goodyear Hotline, ESPN NBA play-by-play -play call, also on the S Network as well. And you know, you mentioned the R2C2 podcast you do with CC Sabathia, so I can't let you go without asking you a couple of Yankee questions here because sure. normally with the Yankees and where they are right now, fourth place in the AL East, and it's getting late to be early, as one great Yankee once said, uh, normally we talk pitching, right? It's always about the pitching. It's always about, you know, do they have enough starting? But they're 26 in runs scored, 26 in batting average, 22nd in OPS, 13th in, even in home runs, which is what they're built to do. Is is this style, this team and the way they're built right now, is is the roster the problem? Is it now more about the, how the roster is built is is flawed and it needs to be completely rethought? You know, a, a little bit, Alan. I, I think the thing I thought watching the playoffs last year was I thought this team needs to get a little better defensively, a little more athletic, and they need someone who's more contact-oriented because I thought they had a, a few too many of the same type of hitters in their lineup. But when I thought about that, I really thought about it just in the context of them getting through October and getting through the playoffs. I still thought they'd be able to mash their way to October, but they haven't been able to. And, you know, part of the reason could be, you know, a, a perfect confluence of events when it comes to, you know, the increased uh, spin rate from pitchers, and we know the illegal substances and just how dominant pitching is this year. And then the new baseballs with less drag and fewer home runs. And so now an offense built around mashing and homers is having a much tougher time. Um, but then part of it also is just incredible underperformance from pieces you would not expect it from. I mean, DJ LeMahieu has had his power zapped. This is somebody who is their best player the last two years on a team with incredible offensive performers. DJ LeMahieu was their MVP two years in a row, and right now he's a 260 hitter with no power. He has one extra base hit since May 7th. It's, it's a shocking turn, and I do wonder how much of their offense changes if DJ started performing like what we had seen and if Glaber Torres got some of yeah. his slug back. This is a dude who hit 38 homers, and right now, you know, he, he's gotten his average going a little bit, and he's come up with some big hits. 
but he's just not slugging anywhere near what we're used to. So I do think a lot of their regular season problems probably wouldn't be coming up if those two guys were performing like they normally do. Um, but I still think there is some flaw in the construction, especially as it comes to trying to have different paths to victory when you're navigating with your lineup through October. If they move DJ in the lineup, though, won't you get a better – he may be put in a better position to get that average up. Yeah, I, I think – you know what's funny, Keyshawn? Like, a lot of times I'm like, hey, don't, don't overreact. It's a long season. The sky has been so stable there. I think the Yankees are in need of some kind of changeup. Mm-hmm. If for no other reason to be able to mentally point to something and say, okay – that's the day something changed, and now we're a new team from that point forward. You know, a lot of times we see that at the trade deadline as well, right, where it's like, okay, new acquisition or even the turning of a calendar. Sometimes in an NBA season, hey, we struggled until Jan 1, but boom, now now we've found our rhythm, and, and you kind of turn the page mentally, and it does have some sort of tangible effect on a team. I, I would be all in favor for shaking up the lineup in any way possible just to try and jolt these guys uh, into feeling like, okay, we've turned a page and into finding some kind of rhythm because right now they, they do feel like they need some sort of injection, some sort of change. Yeah, you, know, you could see it, and teams aren't afraid of them either. They've, I mean, Tampa Bay certainly has made that abundantly clear. Rooks, always great to catch up with you, man. Thanks so much. All right, love you guys. Keep up the great work. All right, double up. Great. Ryan Rucco oh, on man. the Goodyear Hotline. All right, so coming up next, get in line. Call the roulette, 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. Your turn for the hot takes and the questions next. KJZ, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. It's time for Call a Roulette. You know the rules. Don't ask us how we are. We're good. I don't want to hear any of that. Get in, say your name, and make your point and ask the question. 888-729-3776. 888-SAY-ESPN. And don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Especially you, Line 5. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. <laughs> that caller. Oh, you get that caller? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was calling to so, see what's going to happen today. How we do it, fellas? Like, man, <laughs> it's like two blocks a day. <laughs> right, oh, like, dial it back, all right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Before we get to the callers, though, you guys see this? Uh, Nick Saban rewarded with a new contract extension like we always see with college coaches. Papa Nick. So he'll be in Alabama through the 2028 season. How old? Twenty twenty eight. How old? Seventy eight years old. He'll be seventy eight. 
Uh, at the end of the contract, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Nothing right. wrong with that. He turns 70 this October. Yeah, he can yeah, still okay, coach. His birthday was yeah. on Halloween, by the way. He can really? coach. Yeah, how about that? Oh, think about it, huh? So, so 15 <laughs> Halloween, seasons. Nick Saban. <laughs> 15 seasons at Alabama, and it'll continue to 2028. An average salary, by the way, $10 million a year. That's all. Yeah, that's not He's enough, doing better though. than, yeah, what, 80% enough. of NFL Pretty coaches. Good, but that's not enough. He needs to pay for his more. house, though, or nothing like but that. But they need like. to give him more, though. They need, he needs to what get at least What he does for 15, that state? 20. What income does that football team bring for the state? That's what I'm saying. Oof. A lot. Tremendous. I mean, he's one of those guys in sports that you can't yeah. count his value. Yeah, you can see what he does and what SEC he builds was there. Like, we're having football. No Pandemic, we're having football. Oh, yes, that's right. We are playing Well, towns are – their supporting system is based off football. Pretty much. Economically. And you know what? We are having Call the Roulette right now. It's brought to you by Napa, whether it's next-day delivery or getting involved in their communities, local communities. Napa goes above and beyond to serve you because their motor never quits. That's Napa know-how. Let's spin it. I love the spin. Spin is good. Line two. It's the one game. This is Nick Jacksonville. That's why you never trust the guy to win. I'm sorry. What's that? To replace Bradley Beal, Don Moran. One of the best point guards in the league. Let's go, baby. Big Blue. All right. All right, Big Blue. So you bring in John Morant instead of Bradley Beal on your team. Now, we made earlier in the show a team of – a five-man team of players that are still in the playoffs versus players who were eliminated in the playoffs. And we argue that the players eliminated is a better team. Yeah, people on social media are really going hard on this one here. Like, Shocking. Yeah, like very – no Anthony Davis? Come on, he's won a championship. Yeah. John Morant, okay, fine. I prefer Bill? Bradley Bill. Mm. But if you want to rock with John Morant, that's I'm down with ask. that. That's cool too. And that's why we ask. Get your opinion. Spin it. Line three. Line three. Kenny here from Kentucky, named after the great Kenny Skywalker from the nice. real big blue nation. Okay. Uh, Jay Will. Champ. All right. I you, see you, uh, Kenny. Jay Will, the best, uh, the best collegiate player in my lifetime. I'll give you credit for that. Thank you, man. Uh, got two points to make. LeBron has to play the one, and AD has to play the five. That's why they won the title last year. Uh, secondly, the uh, Lakers' defensive efficiency, okay? I'm going to break these numbers down for you. Mm. With LeBron on the court, 106 defense, 104 when he's off the court. Two-point slide. Offensive rating, 107.7 when he's on. Can you guys guess what it, the Lakers' offensive rating is when he's off the court? Oh, it's, it's trash. Like 90-something, 80-something? 75.4. Wow. Now, understand, defense, offensive rating is points per, it's, it's points 100 per possessions. possessions. Like that. Oh, my Seven, God. Wow. Drastic difference. Yeah, that's how important he is to his team. That's how important he is to your team. I understand. You're well aware of that. But he you're still putting the statue behind the building, though. Back no, by the dumpsters. Get, he's not, no, he's not, he's not giving him the statue yet. Now right he's not now. getting a statue. He, no, one championship does not get you a statue. You know what it gets you doesn't even York? get your name in the concrete. <laughs> you get you're forever building. a legend. You You'll get building. the city, the key to the city. <laughs> he wants two before he gets a statue. You get one here. No, two. I'll give you a two, building. Two to start thinking about the backside <laughs> of the building. <laughs> Spin it. <laughs> Line five. Brandon from Nashville, based on what we've seen from the Bucks in this, or based on what we've seen from the the Bucks in the series versus the Nets, like what do you guys think to the, of the Bucks at this point? Like they're about to get swept. They don't have an answer for the Nets. Like, and if they do lose this series, like what do they do to get over the hump? Because obviously they can't get over the hump. I'll tell you what I think, guys. They are who we thought they were. That's what I think. 
You don't you're, do anything. You're there's, nothing, there's nothing to do but run it back again. And, and maybe there's one or two other little pieces you add, but you can't all of a sudden destroy it. Maybe you bring in up. a new coach. Maybe you do something like that. The, yeah, I remember yeah. many years ago when the, the Clippers had Vinny as their coach. Uh, Del Negro? Del Negro, and then they brought in Doc Rivers, but mm-hmm. essentially it was the same thing. It, yeah. it turned into the same thing at the end. They Doc, didn't get over the hump. Vinny was taking them to the playoffs. Yeah, you want to say they don't have Dante DiVincenzo, but then you see them lose by 40 last night. Like, it won't really matter if they have Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, no, no. It's just hard to defend that team. Spin it. Last one. Line six. Corey from New York. What's up? Hey, Jay Will, I got a question for you. What's up, baby? Uh, would a young Jay Will, would he be able to guard – Trey Young, and how would you guard him and mm. shut him down? Mm. I don't know if I would be able to guard him. I know I'd be able to get buckets on him. I could tell you that <laughs> offensively, but I think I think defensively, man, I would I would try to build out a scheme where, look, you the person you put on him, you have to guard him the full length of the court. You have to make him work, and you have to attack him defensively, make him tired, put him in foul trouble. You say? I haven't seen anybody do that yet. You get the ball out of his hands get the ball and his don't hands, let him get deny it Deny the ball back and also attack him, get him in foul trouble. Right. Nobody's done that yet. Yeah. It's interesting. We got to see what Philly does tonight because that's going to be, I mean, whatever you did in that fourth quarter, you got to figure it out if you can do that for 48 minutes. That's going to be very difficult to do. So confirmed, you're both coming with me to the Islanders if they get to the Stanley Cup finals. Oh, I'm going. I got to start working on those plans right now. I'm going. Confirmed? Yes. I already told you what I need. Key needs No, no. I have the list of things. I just need the confirmation. Yes, you're going. It's a horrible. Uh And he makes the shot off the glass. Greeny next. See you tomorrow.